many like I remember so they come out hot from the gate saying they don't believe in filler <laughs> and that is patently uh-huh. false there is so much filler in their fucking records I don't give a shit like there are Jay-Z? miles of that, filler that could have been an EP exactly like there's no need for so much of some of the shit they do other than it's like an emboldened whiny white boy like this is the poster boy of sad white boy music as much as i'm the poster boy for sad white boy music <laughs> yeah, this, but this is, is narcissistic well. self-indulgent i'm and a we, bad yeah. person feel bad for me i'm yeah. saying like people who he's very manipulative very much saying so this as a way feelings. to get you to say no you're not a bad guy and no, you are. You're a shitty, shitty person. You know what yeah. you're doing. You're manipulative, and you're just playing it as if somehow you're the victim in it all. Because you listen to Smashing Pumpkins when you were eight years old, and now <laughs> Look, you're reading Bukowski as a sixteen-year-old. Uh, I think it was. Uh, I think it was the Smiths. It wasn't. It wasn't Smashing uh, Pumpkins. I think it was the Smiths. Yeah. <laughs> That's the other Lots. thing I want to get right out the bat. The Smiths fucking suck. I hate the Smiths. Fuck them. Fuck Morrissey. Ugh. Disgusting. This thing, I read this thing. I was like, life. are the, is Twin Peaks just for people who like the Smiths or, and I was like, is that what it is? Is that why I don't like either of them? No <laughs> way. so I like related. And I hate the Smiths. I don't, then, I didn't I care for it. I just think, uh, yeah, it's, I think in the early 2000s, specifically, there was like this movement of whiny white boy who could get away with it because he middle class Sylvia white boy. Plath. Like, yeah, and just, but like faking depth. Like the the what is the line that's like I'm burning like a bridge for your body like that. <laughs> doesn't mean anything that doesn't mean anything come on it's uh it's like a like a mad lib you know it's like emo mad libs uh, of depth yeah (laughs) i have to say i have a soft thought spot for that song though because about a month before their album came out i saw them in athens georgia at the 40 watt this is very weird like not like not like a normal show it was like i remember it being still white out and at the time the drummer had these translucent kind of amber resin colored drums and he poured water all over it so that when he hit it during that it <laughs> splashed up and it was this beautiful mist it was like may in georgia so it was you're so hot and it was just (laughs) it was beautiful and so for me i love that song but it's more about a memory and a place in time as opposed to like the lyrics what the actual which my husband would like hate (laughs) he's very committed to like he hates songs that have like shitty meaningless lyrics so (laughs) uh but that brings up uh, do uh, for people here what, do you have a good memory of singing, seeing them? Because I, I go back. I only think I saw Brand New once, and it really? was at Worcester Palladium, and uh, it was sometime after Deja. I was probably and, at that show. <laughs> and 
the 16 year old girls in the crowd drowned out the entirety of the band like it could not have been a worse experience for a dude in a relationship just trying to see a show because it was just like a sea of just 16 year old girls in plastic furry suits screaming their fucking hearts out like out of key totally bad um and I think that uh, thinking back on it, that's that's the only one that stands out to me. I don't think I ever hey, Mel, came back can to you the turn off your internet? after Deja or anything. Um, I don't think uh, I forgot Daisy came out for a long time. That's well, just not good. I. <laughs> it's actually funny. I uh, when I I was first like started going back to listen to everything last week when we were going to record it. Um, I actually found a bunch of um, ticket stuff. I mean, I have ticket stubs obviously from lots of shows, but I, I found a whole bunch of them from brand new shows. Um, and like some of them, I couldn't even kind of remember. I was like, I don't remember this one versus the other one. But, um, <laughs> but uh, I, the, the biggest one I definitely remember is uh, seeing them at a place called the century lounge in Providence when uh I, I I actually I have three pictures from what? that night. Um and yeah, it's just wheat, that's all. They were the date on them was two thousand six, so it was sometime in two thousand six. Um and it was it was also a weird show. It was very they they took one little like weekend tour type of thing where they, they just I think they took the ferry because I remember talking to them afterwards and th- to Vinny and they, they had taken the ferry up to Providence or whatever, um, just to play like a one show. And it was this tiny, tiny little intimate bar. And it was, it was totally different than the, the, the really showy, like theatrical by that point in time, their, their live shows had already started to become this, this monster. Um, and then I saw them a couple of times later after that full blown, like stage effects and like rising, LED walls and all kinds of shit. Um, so Wait, obviously it was kind of that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. In their like more oh, recent, they had I great clearly years. stopped. Yeah. I stopped seeing them by yeah. this point. Yeah, I, I. It was definitely like, I mean, it stands out for ob- the obvious reasons. Like at that time, absolutely hands down my favorite band, uh, like on the planet, and the the ability to or the chance to get to see them in like a place that was as big as like maybe a great Scott or even the stage wasn't even that high. It was like, probably the stage was about the size of O'Brien's and the width of it was probably like <laughs> the, the width of great Scott. So like to, to get to see them at a place where they had to like, say, excuse me to like get through the crowd to get on stage was to me, that was the only thing at that time that mattered, like that I thought was cool about it. Um, uh, and I and I do remember it being really weird that like it was just the whole vibe of that show was so not the way that they were playing shows and then continued to play shows after that it was just this sort of I don't know strange it was it was just a a, a much more a much more mellow show that they played I don't know and that was um, when what era was that that was after yeah, it was it was two thousand six uh, I don't know if devil and god had just come out or it ha- or was about to come about out about to so they were like maybe shopping I think those it, demos that are going around i think whatever. it was about to yeah um and i remember yeah your favorite weapon and deja had already come out and then they were i think they were 
playing some of the songs off Devil and God, but I don't think it had been released yet. So. Okay. So I apparently saw them way earlier than you guys. I <laughs> saw them in like, so I remember seeing them in 2003 with Thrice, which was fun. I swear I saw them like two or three times that summer. But the one I really remember that was like the best show for me, hands down, longest time, was it was a look. I was in Atlanta and I was at this um, this place called Revolution Church, which is wild because if you've heard of Tammy and Faye Baker, uh, their son owned started a like a church basically for like punks and goths and all of that. And they would have hardcore <laughs> punk rock shows in the basement. The stage was about maybe four feet high. It was local band, Rufio, brand new, Taking Back Sunday. By Rufio, <laughs> I was on the stage, like bumping into people, like sharing water with John Nolan, shit like that. Like, it was amazing. It was like, it was a really good show. And so I'm really, like, the idea that they had, like, LED lights and things and, like, r drums on, like, risers is oh, really yeah. wild. Because yeah. I never saw that. I saw them at, like, skeezy bars. Like, there's a place in can in Lawrence called The Bottleneck, and it's literally just, like, a gross bar. And at the time, you could still smoke indoors. Oh, we've been! <laughs> I've been there, yeah. yeah. I was there one time on tour, yeah. So I that place is bad. Yeah. a lot of time there. So at the time, you could still smoke indoors. So I remember going to see them one time, and there was, like, a cloud above the audience of, like, beer and smoke and sweat, and it was disgusting. <laughs> and that's where, like, that's what I'm used to seeing them. And it's summertime in Kansas, so it's, like, 98 outside. It's 105 indoors. And so that and, like... This was your favorite weapon era. Dejantu Antandu wasn't out at all. That makes more sense than like what they morphed into, and like yeah. I'm not judging them for morphing. It's just it's strange that it even happened, really. Like they everything have no... is yeah. so different. They have no reason well, and to I've... come back the way they did. And and what I was reading though was that basically they had cut themselves off from like all the bands that they had toured with and like had been friends with which I was like why are you just it was very I would, I would say that they always kind of kept I think they always kind of kept a cult following like I think they shot they definitely went away from kind of like the public eye a little bit for a number of years but I I remember seeing them in um like 2012 or early 2013 um and like it the like you said earlier uh liam about the show you saw them at with like just the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of like screaming teenage girls it was like the same thing except all those girls yeah. are now in like in their you know 20s or 30s or whatever i don't even want to and, think um, about that oh that sounds awful <laughs> their meanwhile fan, when their i was fandom, going it was their dudes. fandom was exactly was the like same me my sister the girls that my sister's friends i brought and like all dudes yeah i feel like at a certain point they got just overtaken like in a, it's, i'm sure for a while these bands were like just dude bands it was dudes and girls 
jeans wearing two belts and fucking spin kicking each other and I then eventually like talking about belt me buckled to the side <laughs> yeah that was I'm talking about me too brother we all went through it mine was white yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason I mean, why i was wearing girl jeans but i'm a girl yeah. lady you know and I, I i think uh like that was like my big like i went through a gin phase because of me versus maradona versus elvis right I literally was like, well, I'm going to start drinking gin now because he references it in this song. And then probably drank like exclusively gin for six months and made terrible decisions. It was probably a huge asshole because of that. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's just things that ha- it's strange to look back at this. I, I It was weird for me. I, I haven't gone back to brand new in a long time. They're not something I revisit. Um, for nostalgia's purpose, I always go back to Take It Back Sunday. Like, that's just more sugary sweet for me and, like, easier. But, like, going back to brand new, it's just... They just also feel less pretentious. They're very much like, yes! Raw teenage emotion. It's not like I'm... It's not like I have a degree in literature. It's... Yeah. Like, let's get drunk and fist fight in the parking lot. Like, I can't believe I ever took most of this shit seriously or, like, left this as my aim away message in earnest. Like, <laughs> I did that a lot. Yeah, like, it, yeah. It, it's kind of, I don't know. Um, that's where I'm coming from. I came back to, I think I'm in a worse mood to revisit a pop punk band or whatever you want to call it, an emo band. Um, and I might not have given them credit and there's also the big old elephant in the room of i'll just say off the bat from me and the only the only uh interpretation i have of it is like the minute i heard there was bullshit about jesse i didn't need details i was like oh yeah of course that dude's a huge piece (laughs) of shit it wasn't like it was you didn't need to twist my arm to get me to believe that and also from there i'd like I'm always for the argue of art versus artist. Right. Oh, uh-oh. He froze again. <laughs> like right at that crucial point. Uh, he, yeah, he was going to get he's going to get real deep. <laughs> oh my god. So that for <laughs> me like, also was a big part of it. Like right in the middle. Like same thing though. <laughs> come back. Hello. So when that came out, Am not at all shocked, but also not shocked that more Hello. people hadn't been exposed, or maybe just like not in a wide range. Like I think you all mean more people the women from I knew the same scene weren't more like. Am I back? All the women, kind yeah, of. all the women I knew had a story about someone. Hmm. In that way, so. When it came out, it was Someone like, yeah, no, duh. And one of my friends had has like a list, like a mental list of people where she's like, wouldn't be surprised if it came out of this person or this person or this person, just because of behavior, because of lyrical content. Hmm. Check, check. Am I here? Hello? Yes. Your You're voice back, is yeah. back. I'm trying. I don't know how... Technology. God damn it. 
How much did you guys get? I went on a tear. Uh, not a whole lot. Not Basically, a, I think you said you weren't one. surprised, and then that was kind of it. I got, I got, I got that turnaround from from. It was that, right that when you said there. art versus artist. Uh, okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. I mean, and then you were gone. I. What I what I was saying then was just I have to separate that for any artist I follow it, it to a certain degree because Jesus Christ there wouldn't be uh, I you have to, uh, uh, I think people can be pieces of shit and you have to just take what good you can from them and that involves taking the the best of their art i think you know james joyce beat his wife like i i can't think of anyone i could still people love everyone. bill murray and have him on their I mean, bumper sticker yeah and bill murray cars, and yeah. he, he beat, beat the shit out of his wife to the point that like she won't even talk to the press Sean Penn, yeah, uh, people love him and talk about all this great stuff he did. Meanwhile, when he was married to Madonna, he tied her to a chair and beat her to a pulp. But people talk about all this good work he's done in Haiti. Well, to be fair, I hate Katrina. Sean Penn, and he stole the Oscar from Bill Murray. <laughs> I mean, no, but that's what I mean. Why not it's just like, melt that down? I don't. I. I, I don't think it's. A, it's a hard discussion to have. Um, so I don't mean to m- diminish any uh, in a, any of the victims or anything like that, but I think, uh, oh, fuck, see, you can't get anywhere in these conversations and have a point that satisfies you to land. I think it's not. So I don't this know. Fuck this guy. Yeah. Maybe I'll so listen this is to how a couple songs every once in a while, and I hope it doesn't earn him any money. Yeah, this is how it went with a friend of mine. Uh, who I was talking with, she feels like, no, you can't, you have to just cut it out that it's, uh, because even though you're not making a ton of money from Spotify, they're still getting some, um, but at the same time, for me, a lot of these bands, like Brand New, are really indicative of a time in my life and a lot of fun that I had with my sister and like really good experiences and at the but like i said during this time there was also like i was witness to shitty things i had shitty things happen to me like i like i remember going to a show we'll won't won't name the band and when the bassist slash singer uh was talking to these two girls who were 16 and 17 he asked them to flash him and they did and when we were at a different show of theirs the next night in town we caught him making out with the 16 year old and he was like 27. he also when he found out that i was over 18 because i had just turned 19 uh gave me a look of disappointment oh no that i was not (laughs) underage Wait, who's? So, I'm sorry. Wait, who is this? She didn't. <laughs> she didn't say. Oh, but it's, say, you're not. Yeah. Oh, I I wasn't sure if you were talking about the band for a second or not. I was like, I would not I got this confused. specific <laughs> band. No, not this oh, okay, specific okay, gotcha. band. But all like, part of this thing. All of it. Uh, dudes who wouldn't take no for an answer with my sister. Um, 
just a lot of creepy, creepy behavior. Like, even if it wasn't verbal, a lot of like looking down your shirt and a lot of being like, hey, do you want to come hang out with me? And being like, no, I'm not here for that. Because there's, so, like, as much as people wanted to deny it, there was still a really rampant strain of sexism where the idea was, if you were at shows, you were there because of guys. Oh, And so totally. it was Throughout very weird for me. Era. There was a really, it was really, because I was only there with girls, and I was only leaving with girls, and I was there because of the music, it was this very strange place sometimes to navigate. It sounds it. Yeah. Yeah. That and sounds terrifying. I don't, it, I don't, it I don't was know where to go from super there. super bizarre. And, like, another, another example, um, another person who was accused of... Um, like very publicly accused of um, being oh, sexually involved with underage girls. Uh, at the same time, set my family like over $500 for my sister's hospice. So we were like, thanks, but go fuck yourself. Like we'll take oh, the geez. money because we need it, but go fuck yourself. But also like the best memory was like her fucking screaming in this dude's face. And that's why he remembered. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It. Ugh, just like. I. I think it's uh, like, it it's it's really it's been really interesting over the past few years to, go back to that time and realize how, different things were from the from like, other perspectives because, but I think. I mean, I think the important thing that I try to take from it is that, like Liam said, it's like sometimes all you can do is like take take whatever was good from from them and like hopefully it, it like it's it's very difficult to reconcile or it has been very difficult for me to reconcile with the idea that people who have made art who that has had a really positive impact on my life have had a really negative impact on other people's lives. And there's there's nothing that I can do about it, but you know I can remember I can remember being that age, being in high school 2003, 2004, 2005, and going to shows, um, and like brand new. And when I talk about them with people or whatever, what I always say is like they they're the band that started it all for me. They're the band that uh, they were they were the first band that I heard at that age that sounded like that. Um, I heard your your favorite weapon first. Um, my cousin was listening to it one day, and and I I just it put its hooks in me, and I and I kind of got attached. And um, I if I hadn't started listening to them, I wouldn't have started listening to all the other bands that I eventually became a fan of. Most of whom don't sound anything like Brand New went on to sound, but like against me and even like the bouncing souls and like that whole dump all those dominoes started to fall because i heard your favorite weapon pretty much so there will never be a way for me to not consider that record and then consider that band uh as having just like a really positive influence on my life their music obviously mm -hmm. right. um but like i can remember being that age and going to those shows 
and feeling like all of these dudes in these bands who were all like shitty dudes, like even, you know, I'm sure half the members of, of taking back Sunday, even though public things didn't come out, like they, like at that time they, they got this little taste of fame. Right. And suddenly they had a tour bus and they had, they were playing on warp tour and they had all this, this like uh, fire underneath them. Um, and they all thought they were hot shit, you know? Um, and I think what happened was like the pendulum swung the other way. Like it's, from my perspective at that age, it was like, oh, there's, there's people out there who, who grew up and who got out of their like shitty high school environment, their shitty small town, whatever. And like, you know, can write songs about relationships or like death or sickness or depression or whatever. And, you know, not get bullied, not get called, you know, whatever gay slurs uh for for being you know emotional or being sensitive or being like a guy that actually like talks about their feelings and so there were there were tons of kids like me who saw that side of it at the time and i think took the the positive of that which is like you you shouldn't be afraid to talk about your feelings you should be um a a a sensitive person and and a kind person a compassionate person but what happened I think is that the pendulum swung totally the other way for a lot of those guys. And now they felt, you know, like they had some sort of power over all of these female fans. And obviously that is a recipe for disaster. And I I think um, it's been really, it's been really eye opening. It's been, it's been really interesting for me now as an adult to realize what was going on on the other side of that, which was that, uh, the 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 way that most of these these guys were treating young women at the time was dis- despicable um and and that the environment was so ripe for that at that time um you had these bands that like got a little bit of fame and suddenly had all these girls you know screaming at their feet and it was just it was it was rampant i think at that time and it was really easy for for a, a guy at that time who was a fan of those bands to not really see that side of it so that's been the toughest part for me i think regarding all of that as just has just been like ha- having yeah having to separate the art from the artist and realize that the the only thing i can do is take the good the good from it and realize that it's it's been a positive impact like that music was a positive impact on me it's always going to have had that effect on me and like shaped who i am you know now but you have to you have to also like recognize what was wrong with the behavior of those bands at the time and and be able to separate that from the from the art i think i mean i I agree i'm just listening (laughs) so i i was writing up a bunch of stuff earlier so like i agree to a certain point but then like the more i was going through the lyrics of Deja and the devil and God, the more I was just like, oh, he's talking about this shit right here. Like me versus Maradona is very much for sure. Yeah. 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 You're drunk and you're scared. Yeah. Because you're sexually assaulting someone who can't, uh, you're, you can't consent. Uh, he's, and, um, Millstone, same thing. He's talking about what he's doing is like, evil and wrong and it's like and that came out in 2005 which means we know that he was doing it before that um 
And just because only two people have come out doesn't mean other people haven't said things because sometimes oh, yeah. it I mean, takes until yeah. you're considerably older and in some cases have a, a child the same age for you to realize, oh, what happened to me was fucked up. That was up. inappropriate. Yeah. I, yeah. That shouldn't have happened to me. Yeah. And hey. luckily, like luckily for my, my sister and her friends, because I was there and I was aware a lot of stuff that could have been worse didn't happen because we had a mom who said, if he puts his hands on you, cut them off because my sister loved a good mosh pit. We didn't have a lot of the worst things happen to us. Uh, but like he talks about, I think if anyone, yeah, if anyone can take anything away from this podcast at all, it's, cut his hands like off. there's a line he said one of the lines is you can sin or spend the night all alone one of his victims says that he very specifically would say things along those lines to her like oh you're not gonna send me nudes well i guess i won't like fine i just won't talk to you ever again and if you feel like you have a connection to a person regardless of their level of fame or status if you if you're given like a very yeah. binary opportunity and you are a impressionable girl who, you know, someone that you think is cool and attractive is giving you attention and saying, well, I'm going to take it away if you don't do this. It's for some people, it's easy to just be like, okay, well, I guess I have to do this then and yeah, not recognize that it's the shitty guy's not, yeah. Like He's an adult. Like, all of the people I'm thinking of were in their mid to late 20s when they were preying on teenage girls. And also, when I was looking right. at stuff, I just thought about this. So, Jesse Lacey has a daughter now, right? A lot of shitty dudes I know have daughters now, which I think is <laughs> interesting. Coincidentally, his daughter's name is Bowie. Um, I don't know how much you guys know about David Bowie's history, but his among other things, he Bowie? took. Yeah, among other things, he took a 14-year-old girl on tour with him for sexual purposes. Yeah, David, David Bowie. So, like, you, you, a shitty dude who has a thing for underage girls, named your child a girl after another man who went for shitty, like a shitty man who went for underage girls. Well, I feel worse now. It's just this horrible <laughs> cycle of, like, toxic masculinity and i'm like encouraging that and like seeing that as a something to as like a guiding stone like one of the things i loved about the four fists album was the the fuck bukowski line like i loved it because i was like yes right. i've never liked these guys because of how like toxically masculine it is right even when it's trying it's fake it to be uh, sort of the soft side of it. It it's still just as it rooted. it still can be used as a manipulative tool. Like maybe that's probably what I don't like going back to it is feeling like the piece of shit that I was when it made sense to me. Um, but we're right around to that marker there. So if we want to go around, I can start, I guess, for when we think should have been there last. 
Is everybody there? Did I cut out everybody? No, you're still there. Okay. Uh, for me, I'm going to cut the Matasia. I think anything they did after that doesn't matter. I think they could have been a different band. Um, I think they could have only recorded Play Crack the Sky, and I would have liked them more as a band. Uh, <laughs> going they back own, to the, if they now, only released the only, one song? It's the only song that held up. Yeah, they just released Play Crack the Sky, uh, and they never do anything else. Like, literally, he drops dead right after recording. I think that would be the ideal situation for me. Um, that's really the only one I came back. And, like, I want to like Sick Transit Gloria because it's a pretty dope song, but it's from a shitty perspective, and it stole the title Sick Transit Gloria. So... Yeah, if I phone it in, I'd say they just record the one acoustic track called Play Crack the Sky and they never form a real band. But <laughs> if we're playing by keeps, yeah. they record up to Deja and Tendu and then they fall off the face of the planet. Hey, I like Jaws themed swimming. I like that song still. They have a couple songs that are good, but like... I mean, half the song, it, half the album is still Nothing held up for me. And I... The other thing I'll say is, like, artistically, for a lot of their stuff, there's always a turn in the song that I don't like. They'll, like, change the key real quick, or they'll come up on something, or they'll drop it down somewhere. Even songs I like sort of have this weird key change or something to them that turns me off a lot of the time. That's why it's just like, no, just strum the G, sing about, sing every not read an addiction pretend it's deep yeah good for I, me man. like i definitely agree especially with play crack the sky because i only like the end of that song yeah beginning i don't care for when it when it starts like looping over the vocals and they say the end uh <laughs> no you're there you're good it. okay just about like, the cage is lowered and stuff. That's like that's when it gets good, and then everything before that is pretty. So that's specific. I like I like the like you know the half buried by the sea and you know the it defied the crew's attempts to bury. You know he takes turns of phrases that he doesn't have in any other song. Uh, I think it's one of their only songs like, oh, that you read. Like you read the first forty pages of Moby Dick, and you were like, oh. "There's a lot of that where it's very much like, oh, so you read these like quote unquote smart boy books, and it's just like." But that one it works. They so nailed it on that one. Like, you killed it. I, think, I couldn't write that I think if play I crack, tried. Play crack. This guy's also one of their only songs where like the entire song is, uh, is like a story that self sort of self-contained and that is like the entire thing is metaphorical i feel like yeah. so like the whole thing is right. a, a, a sinking ship a shipwreck like i yeah i mean it's it's about like you know just a failed relationship being being like using the metaphor of a, a sinking ship like a shipwreck i guess 
but I, I do think it's one of their only tracks where like the whole entire song is is story they don't story mix line metaphors like that. that's the only time they don't mix metaphors otherwise they're throwing in kind of jellyfish and yeah parachutes and <laughs> yeah <laughs> seat belts Seatbelts. There's a lot of seatbelts. Yeah, I was reading that uh, it, car crashes come up a lot for them. Yeah, them I think they knew a lot of people like, who died in car crashes. The whole Jersey scene. <laughs> yeah. It's very bizarre. Yeah, that's a, that's definitely a uh, an image used quite a bit in in a lot of their lyrics. Car crashes and funerals. <laughs> So, so Jeff, what would you do for your, where, where would you cut them off? I, uh, so it's funny. I, when Daisy first came out, I really, I, I really didn't like it very much. Um, I found it a lot more challenging to listen to than everything else that they had put out at, up like that up until then. Um, and I remember having a conversation with somebody about how they were like, well, I give them props for like making a record that is more challenging to listen to that sort of doesn't just, doesn't just make it easy for all their fans to like follow along, but is like something that was, was kind of a, a, a turn for them a little bit. I mean, Devil and God was heavy. Daisy got this, like way heavier but also this like ethereal kind of mix mixture into it and like when i was listening to it this time around before the before this uh i definitely dug it a little bit more than i remember liking it in the past um and i i i took it into consideration as like one of their records again which i hadn't for a really long time i had kind of like tossed daisy completely aside um <laughs> But I, 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 I like science fiction. I, I think it's, I, there's a lot of songs on science fiction. I like a lot. I, but I think if I had to forego science fiction in order to have had devil and God, then my last, my, my last one for them would have been devil and God. Um, like if we, if they could have made all their records and just skipped over Daisy that like, I guess I would probably like that the best, but, um, Hard agree. I definitely, I definitely think devil and God for me was it like, it, there was enough of a, the, the way the sound rounded out on that album and the way that it just dove into like the depths of dark, heavy and, and like rage yeah. for me. Uh, would have been a fine way for them to round out their career as a band if they had had to. Um, like I said, I mean, I guess after that, I would then rank science fiction and then Daisy. But uh, yeah, for me, I guess if they had if if they had to have a last one, it would have like before their last one. Then I would have said Devil on God. Great. Natalie, that's so funny to hear. Like the both of you don't that Daisy. Uh, I also agree. I listened to it the whole time. I was just like, this is garbage. He's just a manipulative, whiny, narcissistic asshole. And I had never listened to it until today. And I was just like, don't care, don't care the whole time. Um, I didn't... Science fiction was okay. Like, it's fine. Um, but ultimately, I feel like... The Devil and God could have been released as an EP, 
they could have released a couple songs from Daisy. I think I had like two songs I liked. Same. Like they could have just released some EPs every once in a while and then like a band that did that and that would have been really like I'd rather have a really solid EP where every song is good than a bunch of crappy songs. Um that's There's said, so much filler. There's so much. It's just not good. Uh but uh so like I have this one really weird coping mechanism when I'm really stressed is I play the same song over and over for like hours. So earlier this year at work, I was playing Not the Sun over and over for like seven hours a day for like two weeks to the annoyance of my coworkers because we can't have headphones because it becomes <laughs> kind of like an angry background noise, which is fine. But the, and it has like, it's got these lower points. It's got these sharp points. Like, it's a good song. It's probably the best one on that album, but most of the songs on there I didn't care for. And after today, I'm just like, well, if I don't hear anything besides, like, some songs from Your Favorite Weapon, I'm good. Yeah, do we know? Are they done? Mm -hmm. Oh, they're definitely done. (laughs) Yeah. 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 uh, I was reading they had that that banner that said brand new two. 2000 to 2018 at like it was some kind of a, shows. Yeah, it was kind of a plan of theirs anyway, I guess, in that sense. But, but yeah, no, I'm pretty sure I, I, I would bet on I don't it think they pretty solidly. Doing it anymore, anyways. Yeah. There's there's a and, there's a really funny joke in there though because Brand New got too old for Jesse Lacey to be interested anymore. <laughs> Bazinga! That's why I've been silent. I've been waiting for an opportunity Yikes. to use that joke. Just come right in with it. Come in hot. Oh, boy. All right, so so that's almost everybody with God and the devil. Jamie, is that, are you? Yeah, no, I'm going to disagree entirely. <laughs> um, my, uh, I don't know. I, I think my, my relationship with them is probably a little bit closer to Jeff's than anyone else here. Um, mm-hmm when when the when the first record came out it it didn't really click with me i don't think i know on that same uh cd that i was talking about on a previous episode that you gave me liam before i went off to college i think uh logan to government center was on there and and that was maybe i think i had like seen the video for jude law in a semester abroad on like mtv or mtv2 or fuse or whatever but there was a video for that. There's a video. Yeah. Much music. I think it was, it was a live, live video, right? Live, uh, live footage from tour. There's like skateboarding in it. I think, I feel like so very early. I think one of the dudes from good Charlotte is in it. One of the twins. I was watching it earlier to, (laughs) to remind myself. Um, that's so 2001. It is very much so. Um, (laughs) but, but the album didn't, didn't really click with me you know um and then the first time i saw them was in 2003 uh i was in dc they played at uh, american university with mxpx um uh what was it van van vendetta red is that the name of the band i honestly don't even know yeah vendetta red Red. oh yeah. yeah and uh dashboard I had my first V-neck T-shirt because of that. Oh really? 
That's I awesome. just remember them going they testing, 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 testing. Yeah. Um, but that, I mean, that was, a, I hated that show. I had, a, I think, a, a very similar experience to Liam with your first show of them. Um, and then I saw them at the Middle East Downstairs in 2009. It was a few months before wow. um, Daisy was released. So it was kind of the perfect show where it was like five songs from each album. Um, and then they were teasing like two songs maybe that would be on Daisy. Um, and to like see them, like the, the show at American was in like their basketball arena or whatever right so to see them in you know a small to medium-sized club uh that was really really cool and then i saw them in november after daisy came out at the house of blues and then i saw like that giant stage spectacle with the uh the fox from from daisy like on a giant banner and all the lights and and then I kind of waned on the live show. And then I saw them again in 2016 with Modest Mouse and I hated it. Like <laughs> I just never wanted to <laughs> spend the money to go see them again live. Was it them or are you just too old? Cause no, when I, I think... went to a show a couple of years ago with my sister. I was like, Oh, I'm too old for this. Yeah. I mean that, that is part of it. Um, but to some of the things that Jeff was talking about with the later records becoming a little bit darker and a little bit more atmospheric, um, seeing them at Great Woods while the sun was still up in a giant open air amphitheater is not the right setting for it. And Jesse Lacey, whether he's bored playing the songs or he just physically cannot replicate them live just doesn't do a good job of of playing his own songs he gets like he gets like bored i think and <laughs> i think it's i mean i don't want to say that it's similar to like what people say about dylan where whether you go see him and you don't know what song he's playing till it, like he starts singing after 20 minutes um but right but it you know they're they're a band who's albums uh i've always enjoyed and and one time out of four times i really enjoyed seeing them live um but in terms of the purpose of this and what should have been their last i'm happy with with all five i'm happy with um science fiction being their finale now they had already they the timing of it is is weird, right? They always said they were going to end in 2018. They always said that was going to be their last album. But the the news about Jesse Lacey... I was unaware of this. Yeah, yeah. So in like 2016, they said 2018 is going to be our last year. And then the album comes it was out. on their website. Yeah. A few... Yeah. Um, I thought you meant from like 2000 on. No, 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 like, no, no. Yeah, no. We're just going to play for 18 years. Yay. <laughs> and then we'll be done. No, that's very bold <laughs> to think that people will care about you for that long. Um, but no. And, and, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. In 2016, they said, in 2018, we'll be done. We're going to do one more record. 
and you then one more and that's it. You know, and they obviously they intended to tour it, but when the uh, reports came out, they only came out like three months after the release of the album, so there was no tour. And then, I mean, what's the point, right? You're not gonna you're not gonna extend your um, your final tour for three years down the line when maybe people would still want to come out, you know? Right. So, right. Yeah. but as like a, a trajectory of, of albums. And so I, I mean, I personally am able to sort of draw that line in the sand of you're a shitty person. We've always known you're a shitty person. Now we have proof or at least, um, credible accusations that you are a shitty person but I can still enjoy the music because because he I think I think not not just um, you know you can kind of jokingly reference the like the screaming 16 year old girls but like we were all and I I certainly and from Jeff's stories we were like so enamored by the music that even though it was right there in the lyrics and we were singing along to them and we were reading them, we weren't internalizing it and we weren't registering it. And it, and it was, and we turned them into away messages because somebody made you upset and you were like, well, I'm going to be, and then you like put this up there, not even thinking, what that really what those words really meant when he was saying them or when you were saying them but for their music um it's kind of i i kind of take it as like this this sort of like uh this trajectory of like super fast paced like fun summary music which is uh your favorite weapon and then it progressively Mm -hmm. gets like later in the year right and then it's like getting slight they go through high school yeah they're done with high school it's getting yeah. like slightly yeah. darker it's getting yeah. a little bit more introspective a little bit more angry a bit more ugly you know and then for um like daisy like daisy when when the first like there's the intro uh recording music but when like the first uh, vocals come in and he's screaming on, on that first track, I was totally turned off. Mm-hmm. And I and I love screaming. <laughs> and the band that Liam right. Liam and yeah, I had yeah. when we were in high school, I would throw screams in any time I thought I could do it. You know, like my voice sure. my voice was rested enough I could straight? do it again now. Um, but it didn't it was super jarring and it, and it didn't it it was off-putting to me when i first heard daisy upon some more listening um it grew on me and and so so with daisy and uh science fiction i just think that they're you know they're knowing that this is leading to an end it feels like the way that uh, the last song on science fiction batter up fades out it kind of feels like like 
like dying. It feels like a like a life force. Yeah, at the end. It does, yeah. it, it, those Phil Collins drums yeah, at the end. Yeah, it's it like too. the like it's just like. It's a nice yeah. bookend. I will give it. <laughs> yeah, that. the only thing that almost dragged me back to the song, I was like, ooh, but that's a great way to go. Yeah, on. and so like yeah, that song is good. Let's always play Crank Guys. Right. No. Right. Absolutely. I mean, for more than a decade, I closed every single not quite the interstate show with uh play crack the sky right um right it, it was it, it was at that point as much my song as it was theirs because i just <laughs> I, you know i didn't even think of it as like i'm doing a cover it's like that's how the set ends we're just gonna play that song um but so so for me looking at it as like not that it's like you know a whole concept or it's like one character or anything but but you know encountering them at like end of high school beginning of well i guess like 2001 so it would have it would have been high school um that's yeah. so, sort of like youthful um like urgency and energy of of your favorite weapon and then getting older and more introspective and darker um i'm i'm on board for the ride even though Jesse Lacey is a piece of oh. shit. But so uh, should have been their last is what was their last science fiction. Science fiction. Yeah. Wow. Really? Yeah. That brings it to you, Natalie. That's <laughs> almost unanimous except for me. I would have stopped them when they stopped being pop punk. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought I said uh, that, yeah. Uh, what did you do? Yeah, that I think that a couple songs from science fiction were fine. Daisy was mostly terrible. It was a really, it was a lot of them being like, "We're gonna try and be me without you." So, but so where do you cut with, that? Where I'm the Messiah, like I'm the sinful Messiah. He definitely has a Messiah complex. It's so apparent and, throughout all the music, really. All the lyrics yeah i i just think they could have stopped they could have released um instead of releasing three full-length albums they could have released three really solid eps but in terms of studio albums you would but whole album you would cut them off at deja god oh you no definitely god i like i like enough from it that i think it's good just for me to have not the sun where i can play it right for seven hours to the irritation of everyone <laughs> around me and just like get through my anger and work right right but okay yeah so on the outline. knowing well, it's about 50 things 50. yeah but knowing things i like i don't like going through listening to everything again i really don't think i can listen to anything now past like two songs on the devil and god and maybe even your favorite weapon but some, like i was thinking about back to the first time i saw them and how even then he was kind of mildly inappropriate with me like so I'm i used sure. to carry a journal well like it's a specific memory like it was so i went to the show by myself i was i had just graduated from high school like two days before and I used to carry my journal with me everywhere and he saw it and he's like, oh, can I sign it? And I'm like, sure. Because sometimes people would sign it. Sometimes people would write on it. Um, and then he just started flipping through my journal, my oh, no. personal oh, no. journal. 
where I had written a lot of That's shit, it, and I was like, I didn't know how, even though I was like, maybe two months beforehand had kicked a sound guy in the balls from groping me, I didn't know how to say to him, hey, that's private, do not do that. That's not and okay, like, yeah. Like, that's not anything compared to a lot of people, but like, the fact that this happened, what, 18 years ago now, and I still remember it so clearly, is mm. fucked up. Mm -hmm. And is very clear about how his boundaries with female fans were. And I wasn't Jesus. going up and being like, you're so cute, and all this. I was just like, hey, I really love the album. I'm so glad you guys I'm came. I'm a person. Right. Yeah, I am a person. I am yeah. a fan. It was always... Yeah. Like, he is a very clear example of how, as a girl going to shows you, you routinely had to be like, I am a fan. I am here because I like this music. I'm not here for some, like, ulterior motive that you've cooked up. Hmm. I'm here right. because I like this music, regardless of whether or not you think that. That is hard to consider as a dude. It's mm. really strange, I'll admit. Uh, but, like, uh, I, it's not hard to consider now, thinking back on it. But, like, I can't even imagine being in a place like that. Uh at like 16 years old have anything about those kind of things it's, I mean know. I hate to say it but as a teenage girl I was just a chubby little fat not kid. even a teenage no girl problem. like even as like a 10 year old this shit would happen mm. and sometimes when I tell men that they're like 10 I'm like yeah 10 I was 10 years old and men were like leering at me oh, meanwhile I'm holding my dad's shirt in the grocery store Right. Well, oh God. let's try and turn this around. Turn this around. Uh, I still really I love think, the shower scene. I, I still really have... love Logan to Government Center. Yeah, I mean, it's there. There's so many memories associated with their music for me at this point that, like, I'll never be able to totally turn off or separate from, uh, from it. Like, I'll never, I'll never be able to write it off. It's always gonna have its place in my life. Um. Yeah. And I just like I like to at least think that like like again, still going back to what Liam said in the beginning, I, I took the good from it. I took as much good from it as I could. Um it's it's brand new's music is responsible for so much of who I, I am as a as a person, as a musician, as a music fan, and um that, that part's never gonna change and, and that's okay. I think it's it's okay to to separate the artist from the art and say like I don't condone a single thing that you've done in your life, alleged or not alleged, whatever. That's fine. Um, the the music is what it is. There were three other plus other members of the band that mm -hmm. contributed to that music. Who, that's to my I knowledge, are like, all are all I good people. Like but I accomplices in a way because one of the allegations was that he would have girls undress in camp yeah. with people around him for mm. other people with him. And so, who would he be spending the most time with? People in his band. Right. Even if you're not the person initiating it, if you're not saying, this is fucked up, stop this, right. you're complicit. Right. So, like, I mean, it's do true. I think that they're terrible people? Maybe not, but they're not good people. Right. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, I don't know. I can't... I, 
I can only I can only try to be as responsible as I can be as a human being in in what I consume, like what music I consume, what art consume, you know what I mean? And say like there's never gonna not be an asterisk there, right? Like there yeah, will definitely. forever be an asterisk there, but um but at the same time, like I, I went around I went along for that ride that you mentioned earlier too. Mm. Uh, Jonas, like the like the the they will just always be a that part of my life, you know. Right. Um, and I, uh, I I I'm 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 happy that at least I was able to take to take that good from it. Right. Um, is is kind of where I land. Yeah. You know. Liam, do you have any final thoughts there in your in your cubby? No. Nothing finally. No. I, I, I honestly said all I could. <laughs> with. So, do we have? I heard we have voicemail. Somebody's telling us what for. Oh yeah, yeah, we do. We have uh, we have a little bit of uh, of uh, listener feedback on our Green Day episode. Um, okay, so Green Day. Uh, I assume Mr. Jeff Aria. and Natalie. Story rad. Familiar. Not, eh, You're familiar with fine. the artist of Green Day? I'm familiar. I was never a fan, but I didn't dislike them. They were just not for me. Fair enough. You know? Like, if they were on, I didn't hate it, but I never went out and, like, bought an album. So let's see what... Or downloaded one. <laughs> Who called in? Let's uh, Let's just listen to it. Hi, Liam and Jonas. This is Aviv from the Special Viewing Unit podcast, as well as, yeah, I've seen that, as well as being Jonas's roommate for like four years. Uh, I'm writing writing in, calling in to talk about Green Day. So, uh, objectively, Green Day's most popular album is American Idiot. Even though it sold six million fewer copies than Dookie, it sparked a Broadway musical and basically a whole spinoff album, 21st Century Breakdown. But their last album should have been Nimrod. So imagine for yourself, uh, for a moment, Green Day releases Dookie, Insomniac, and Nimrod, and then Billy Joel Armstrong dies in a plane crash or retires. The band would go down in history alongside bands like Nirvana, Thin Lizzy, bands that were plucked from us before their time. Instead, we've had to slowly listen to them um, delve into self-parody with uh, Warning, which sounds like a B-Sides album. American Idiot, which is aged like a cup of yogurt in the sun, and the horrible, awful 21st century breakdown. So imagine for yourself a universe in which we never had to listen to our pure pop-punk godfather trio descend into self-parody, overproduction, and 17-minute-long ballads about George W. Bush. <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks, Aviv, for I, I, sending I, that in. Anybody care to, to? I disagree with him. I disagree <laughs> with him completely, but I can't say he's wrong. Right. That's where I fall, and that's bullshit. Warning is their bravest album as a band, and I'll stand by it. That was them fully realizing who they could be as musicians, and they fucking put it all away and be bullshit after that. Excellent. But uh, but I think he has a he has a fair point. If they had just existed through Nimrod and then he died or whatever, yeah, uh, yeah, they would be 
fucking empty t-shirts out of Green Day. Or, uh, they probably still are. I don't know. Um, Anyone else? Does anybody else want to challenge that, or <laughs> shall we just move on? I, I, oh, the only thing I can speak, I can't really speak to Green Day too much because I, I think I've always been kind of a passive, like I was a fan of Green Day and I did, I was kind of with them up till American Idiot and then just did not have any interest in them after that record at all. Right. Um, I, I was listening to some of the episode with Aria last week and, um, uh, I was at that show at the Worcester Palladium that they, or the DCU center or wherever it was that they played. <laughs> Uh, when American Idiot came out on that tour, I remember at that time I think it was the most money I had ever spent to go to a concert. Um, and uh, I don't know, they just they just never really did it for me. Uh, kind of uh, definitely after that, but even before that, I was like, yeah, some some tunes here and there, like that I re I reckon I recognize I respect their place in in the uh, like pillars of of pop punk and and punk rock in the '90s, but. I, I, I'm just not I'm just not into them enough to really comment on what should have been their last album. But I definitely don't I definitely don't think anything anything that came after uh, American Idiot really should be around anyway. So right, right, right. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so I think we'll we'll start wrapping up. Um, but uh, I just want. Would take take an opportunity here. Normally, we we would ask some sort of question that revolved around bands, or shows that you wish you had seen, or, or something along those lines. Um, but earlier this week, uh, people here in Boston and, and bands all over um, the country read the news that Great Scott, one of our uh, most beloved mid small to mid sized music venues, would not be reopening after all of this nonsense ends. And so I just wanted to give uh, the people here a chance to maybe share a little love for Great Scott, like a, a show or, or just some sort of uh, memory that that really sticks out for you. I see some nods coming from you, Jeff, if you want to kick us off. Uh, sure, yeah. I, um, I, uh, oh, God. Um <laughs> It's it's tough. It was it the day before yesterday was uh, a, a tough day for me. Um, just all things considered, being stuck at home and then hit, and it like bad news on top of worse news. Whatever, worse news on top of bad news. Um, I, uh, I I work as a as a sound engineer in the city, and I, I haven't worked at Great Scott specifically, um, but I certainly know the whole entire crew over there. Um, I've worked at O'Brien's, which is the sort of sister club. And, um, and yeah, I, it, it, it's, I, I know what a crucial, uh, family it is over there and, and just what a, what a crucial pillar of, of like local music in Boston it is. Um, the most recent, like really good, uh, two shows that I saw there were the homeless gospel choir, um, a few months ago, back in the fall, I think. And, uh, and then before that was Dave Hawes, um, the last time I saw Dave Haas, he played there and, uh, they were, they were both great shows. Uh, I've never, um, I've probably attended a, a dozen easy other shows there over the past like few years. And, um, and they've, and they've always been great. So, uh, yeah, it, it was pretty rough. I, I think that Boston is already a city that is 
like drowning and and has no almost no more small small mid-sized clubs mm-hmm. um left so to to lose one more and arguably one of the best um is is pretty rough yeah. i i i don't know if i know there's a lot of rallying efforts around it right now and people trying to to figure out if there's ways to petition or to save it and i i don't know if they're going to make a difference or not i've certainly i've i've certainly contributed to it i've signed the petitions i've like downloaded the the letters to send and stuff like that and i and i have no problem like uh doing whatever i can to try to help i don't know if it's going to work or not but um yeah yeah it's uh it's tough for me as someone who who works in the industry too and who like feels like there's not even a lot of places for people like me to work you know it's like you're either working at the sinclair or or house of blues uh, or, or you've got O'Brien's and there, and the, that, that gap in between is, has almost completely disappeared. Right. Um, yeah. and it's, it's rough. So yeah, I, I, I hope that if, if they're not able to reopen, I hope that at the very least, uh, great Scott will be the last to close, mm, uh, that we won't lose, we won't lose the very few that we have left. Right. Uh, at the, at the very least, I hope that, um, it doesn't happen again. I hope that we could put some sort of legislation into place or some sort of protections for those types of spaces yeah. uh, that just go beyond just the community support, but that there would actually be legal protections um, for a, for a music venue uh, or for yeah. an arts, for an art space. Um, maybe that's just a, that's just a pipe dream. I don't know, but I, I, I hope that we can prevent it from happening yeah. again. I hope it's not just a pipe dream because that would be great. You know, we, we need that sort of stuff. I, and I, I, when this news came out, I actually I was texting Aviv, the uh, listener who called in, um, just sort of uh, tossing the question out there, like where do small up-and-coming bands play? now i mean you know you have your your like your midway and your o'briens and then like the next sort of tier was probably great scott absolutely and then and then you get into your your sinclairs and your middle easts right and so yeah i don't know where where is that that spot where like people can come and play like when 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 O'Brien sells out and they need to move the show to a slightly larger space, where does that? Where do they go now? Where is that? Yeah, you know. So yeah, I mean, it was super, super upsetting. Um, one of the memories, because I, I know Liam has been subjected to it, but any anybody that follows me on on social media has just been like flooded over the last forty eight hours with tweets and photos from like so many shows. Um, but but one that's like really fresh in my mind um i guess it was two two years ago um when boston calling was happening um the night that they played at boston calling pup then went over uh toronto-based punk band pup mm-hmm. went over to great scott and they played uh in there and so like pup for anybody that's not super familiar with them uh they are a band that effortlessly can sell out most venues around boston 
Um, and because Boston and Toronto are not that far apart, when, that, when they started touring outside of Canada, this sort of northeast region of, of New York and Rhode Island and uh, Pennsylvania becomes where they first go. So they have a very strong fan base here. And so w- when they're a band that could sell out, you know, I guess maybe the last place they would have sold out would have been um, Royale which is like 50 times larger than great Scott. Right. Pretty big. Um, yeah. And, and they played at great Scott and you know, I'm sure they were, I'm not going to get anybody in trouble now, but they were probably over capacity. <laughs> you know, they packed the, <laughs> they packed the place to the gills. Right. And I was like right up by like one of the larger speakers up by the front of the stage. Um, and, uh, I'm going to draw a, a blank on the name, but the second song on their second record, which is kind of the um, the jaded to their brain stew, where it just kind of kicks right into it. It happens super fast. Um, our friend, Liam, our friend uh, Mel, got up on stage, and he just like took the microphone. He sings in this band, uh, Denzel. He took the microphone from the singer. Oh, right, right, right. I remember seeing really? this video. Yeah, and he yeah, just yeah. he just got up there, and he was like, this, I haven't seen this. The awesome. singer, you can find it. So we'll, somebody will send it to you. I'm going to find it. <laughs> um, but the singer of Pup was like, yeah, man, take the mic. And he gave the, the mic to Mel, and he jumped into the pit, and it was just like this totally insane um, moment that – you know, sure, could happen somewhere else um, if it's a smaller venue, but, like, that type of thing is not going to be happening at, you know, Royale or Sinclair right. or the House of Blues. Yeah. Um, and it, I don't know, just, like, there's something about that exact moment that I think really captures the energy and, like, the atmosphere that that place always had um and it's i don't know it's gonna be i don't know i don't want to i didn't mean to bring us down off of an already kind of dour, <laughs> dour conversation um but that that's I've one always for me just yeah, but that's a good memory i think that's a great yeah awesome memory and that's uh something dope to cherish and hold on to yeah that's uh, i think great scott always feels sweaty to me that's like what i remember <laughs> Um, and like I was telling, I was telling Jonas the other day, like if you had asked me yesterday, old Davis and hadn't played there, but apparently we have. Uh, and that's, just, but if we, if we want to, if I I could hold on to from that place, it's seeing Astronautilus there. I think it probably would have been, oh, 2016. Um, I saw Eddie and they're both. Um, just played in the middle of the fucking floor, and you you felt like it was gonna cave underneath you from how fucking much everyone was jumping up and down, and you're sweating on people. And I remember like specifically people moving away from me because I was singing along too loud, and like nobody else knew the word. And like Astronautilus was playing all old ones, and I was singing along, and um, I I I was I got a real kick out of like people being like, "Ew, we have to move." Because this guy's singing too loud. You know, oh, no, that's the only way to be. Like, 
Yeah. As I always said, yeah, every time was, I went to a show, why are you here? It was you a very money. specific night. Yeah, I would exactly. I I probably ruined the night for them, but that's I was there for me, so I was yelling the top of my lungs. It was, uh, and there were a lot of shows like that. I think the last time I went to a show before the quarantine was uh, seeing a void one thing at uh, Great Scott in like January. Oh, that's right. Maybe. Mm. And I had to leave early because I had to catch the commuter rail. I caught like maybe the first five songs of Board One Thing and then I had to bounce. And uh, it's really, it was already kind of weird to walk, to get off the beeline there and have it be like five banks in a venue. Um, so it's it's going to be even more disappointing to see it be even more gentrified and be less of any kind of cultural hmm. place. They, they, I don't know. It, like, it's all a bummer. For it, me, it, but it was it was cool. How it lasted. I I've always like really just cherished places where you can see, like where I've watched my friends and my brother play on the same stage as like some of my favorite larger artists, and like, for like that that that's always what like does it for me with a venue like solidifies a venue it's like places like like great scott and o'brien's in the midway where like i've seen some of my favorite like touring bands and then on another night of the week literally seen seen my brother play music my our friends like all of our you know people that we know like that that to me is like what makes those types of places the most special because they feel really accessible to everybody um whereas your bigger bowery rooms like Sinclair and House of Blues, obviously, and Royale, they they don't obviously yeah. feel accessible to everybody. So, yeah, that's that's the biggest thing for me is losing those types of places. Right. Uh, Natalie, did you ever do? You, have you ever been to Great Scott? No. Okay. Um, I lived in Boston for a semester. I lived in Vermont for five years. Mm. And come down. We usually went to shows at the Paradise, mm-hmm. and I went to the Middle East downstairs. Saw Damone back in two thousand. Um, and but I never went. I went to some place in Austin and saw Armor for Sleep play like half of a bad set and then stop. <laughs> um, that but that probably was great, Scott. <laughs> it it might have been. I don't know. Uh, Kansas City went through a period like this where basically like the major places that small and local bands could play just went away Hmm. because people raised the rent um unlike unlike boston and a lot of other places the rent here is actually a lot lower uh but it was still more than the people running it could afford and like there's no great answer it took years for it to come back there's a couple places now there's one that I think might be permanently closed now because of the quarantine that was out in this sketchy area that's just like train tracks illegal dumping and murders and then like a place you go see punk rock that sounds like my venue yeah (laughs) that sounds like it also sounds like a place i went to in atlanta (laughs) uh train tracks garbage murder um and then some of it was um already established places changing ownership so a place called the riot room here 
where um, Astronautilus and Porpoise and the movie Life played mm -hmm. um, used to be a very different place. So it just, it was a matter of that. Some of it is people who I was going to shows with in 2004, um, having money to open um, <laughs> venues in like a strip front. The last show I went to uh, a week before quarantine was, so it's, a, it's like a coffee shop slash brewery in like a strip mall yeah, storefront. Yeah. And there's like a archway you walk through and then there's a venue. It's, That's and it wild. was great. It was absolutely amazing. And I guess they have local bands there. Um, but the difference is it's not in the city center. So I think that was also part of it. It's just like places are moving. Um, they've yeah. even you revitalized. Head out of the middle. Yeah. yeah. See, they've like... even revitalized though places like the outhouse, which is um, kind of a legendary thing. It's a, it's a old building out in some cornfields in Lawrence. At one point it was a, BYOB strip club. Um, Black Flag played there in the 80s and they believe they've been doing Kickstarters to start it back up um, and it, it before this they were having like all girl band nights and whatnot. The strip club's gone. That was like I think the late 80s. Yeah, and they so, probably agreed yeah, eventually. Yeah, eventually. Uh, but <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, it was just, a, it was like time and people getting enough capital together and having to like move out of town. And unlike in Boston, we don't really have good public transportation. Mm. So you literally have to have a car to like, right. like, I don't even know where the outhouse is. I just have heard tell. Right. Uh, and there was just a lot of like house shows for a long time. Or if you wanted to see a band, you had to go to Omaha, which is three hours north of us, or Columbia, which is two hours east. That was just how it was. At least you guys have trains nearby and something places yeah. that aren't yeah. as <laughs> far away. Yeah, that's true. I'm pretty sure they they own O'Brien's, right? The, the same the same uh, landlords no I think the landlord like he owns O'Brien's he was renting great Scott or maybe that's yeah that well false. he no, I shouldn't he owned kind of thing, he owned both I know that it's the same owner of both venues but I don't right. know if owning the venue is the same as owning the space like right I don't know if he's renting the space at O'Brien's either or not I'm not sure yeah one can only I don't uh, I don't know enough unfortunately to know that so yeah sounds well, like one of you's gonna have to rent a sketchy space yeah I'm, we're all gonna have to start our own one of the best venues i ever went to was under the atlanta public transportation in a place called cabbage town and it was surrounded by like uh no but it felt like it um like it's underneath the t is no, because that was where the, the live. it was elevated. It's called Marta in Atlanta. It was elevated. It was pitch okay. black. The bathroom, like you only went in there to buy drugs, which was pretty rare. Like I, huh. I lived like fifteen minutes from there, and if I had to go to the bathroom, I would drive home. 
rather than go there. Uh, straight edge kids are always getting into like buy, fist fights. You didn't want to buy drugs, yeah. Well, no, it's just disgusting. You straight edge kids were getting in fist fights there all the time in the parking lot. Like it was like a no man's land. Hmm. Sounds like a blast to me. But it was way, great. I it was called. It was called the neutral conclusion. Yeah. Underneath a train track. Underneath a train track near some garbage. Poorly lit. That's your. That's where you gotta uh, go. I'd probably hang out there, honestly. Sounds like there I was an Atlanta there. venue also that was also in like a strip mall, and it was equally weird. So you can go either way. I can go whichever way I want. Anyone else? Yeah. Have any final thoughts? Brand new, brand uh, incredibly old. <laughs> no, but I can tell you guys later if you want to know the bands <laughs> I was talking about. We'll we'll do that off air. Yeah. Juicy, juicy secrets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you know me, I, you've heard the story. So. Does Does anybody have? Well, that was a fun Sunday afternoon. A fun Sunday afternoon. Um. Does anybody have any 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 music or art or any sort of projects they're looking to share with the world? Promote anything to plug? <laughs> I have some demos coming out soon, hopefully. So when they're when they're ready, they'll be ready. But I've found that uh, quarantining isn't necessarily always uh, doesn't necessarily always equal creative motivation, unfortunately. So For sure, no. Lots of lots of you, man. lots Don't of free time. So lots of free time doesn't necessarily equal uh, like lots of creative time, I guess. So, um, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I, I'm I hope hopefully hopefully a few tunes will be out sometime soon. So that's about it for me. <laughs> Liam, anything else? You good? I got nothing. Cool. I got nothing. Uh, well, actually, no one, uh, no new old boy EP soon. <laughs> boy EP soon, maybe eventually. But right now, uh, if we release this on schedule, uh, our good friend Squally Green Thumb has a EP out for the One Chelsea Fund. Uh, you can get that at weedaboo.bandcamp.com. Uh, it's four tracks. Uh, I'm probably going to be making some beats for him from some more uh, EPs. He's going to be keep releasing them until we're outside of this mess, but it, all proceeds go to charity. Uh, doing that world. I would, I would do as well as him. I don't know how he does it. But yeah, weedaboo.bandcamp.com. Very good. Uh, cool. Well, I guess we'll, we'll say goodbye. And we'll, we'll say goodbye to our listeners and then we can we can have like a more friendly and then, and then we can talk uh, yeah a, a more friendly uh goodbye here so uh thanks to uh natalie and jeff uh for joining us today thanks liam as always um this is, should have been their last and we'll catch you next time i feel like we should probably just do taking back sunday next I, 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 during the conversation, I was like, we should just do these together. Just right into this. Yeah, we just should have just right done it as one connect. episode. And <laughs> Liam right, would have been like, uh, Oh, I have strong opinions on them too. Well, you should send us a long voicemail or come back. And, I will. And we'll, and we'll, we'll talk. Uh, well, we'll see whoever we're talking about next time. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Right. Um, 
But our outro music is The Pretty Flowers, as always. Um, Everybody have a good week. Stay safe. And we'll see you on the other side.